0: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of selling greenville your favorite real estate podcast here in greenville south carolina i'm your host as always stan mccune realtor right here in the greenville area you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs and just a reminder as always please like the show on whatever platform you're listening or watching on subscribe to it make sure you don't miss future episodes Leave a rating, leave a review, any of those things you can do. I would greatly appreciate to support the show. I'm very excited today that we have a special guest on here, Susan McLarty of Greenville Homeless Alliance. She's the director of Greenville Homeless Alliance and just has a lot of insight. We've talked about uh, the issue of homelessness, which is an issue in our country as a whole. Greenville is. Uh, No exception to the rule. Obviously, the upstate as a whole, if you go into Pickens, Anderson, Spartanburg, all of the upstate, this is an issue of but this is a specifically Greenville oriented podcast. So I connected with Susan a few years ago. And uh, really, for a while now, I've been wanting to have her on the show. Um, And then I reached out a few weeks ago, and and this has been in the works for a little bit. Um, But Susan, again, director of Greenville Homeless Alliance. Thank you for being willing to come on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Sam, for having me. I've I've been looking forward to the opportunity to delve into this with you.
0: Absolutely. So for the listeners out there who have never heard of Greenville Homeless Alliance, what is it? What are you guys doing? What's your mission? Anything you want to explain about your organization?
1: Yes, thank you. We like to call ourselves a coalition of doers and change makers you know, focus specifically on Greenville County. And our vision is that everyone in this community would have access to a safe and affordable home. So I'm sure we'll talk a lot about what that means. Absolutely. And then our, in order to, to achieve that vision, our mission is that we are a convener, a connector. We are not out there as case managers or care coordinators. We're trying to bring all the big entities that touch this issue together So that we're not working in silos, so that we're leveraging, you know, every penny to meet the needs of the people who are experiencing homelessness and those organizations that are focusing with direct services. But in order to do that, what we say is we're trying to bring both public and private partners together. And when we strengthen those partnerships, we believe it will broaden support overall and increase options. So that big word of increasing options, just like when you're dealing with a client who's looking for a new home in Greenville, you don't want to just show them one, right?
0: Well, if, they, have... if, if, if if they will buy the first one, then I'm okay with that. <laughs> you're but okay yeah. with that? Well... <laughs> Nor- normally they do have to look at a few.
1: <laughs> normally, yeah, people like at least you know more than one option. But so we're really trying to make more options available, especially for people who are most vulnerable. And they're vulnerable because their income typically is going to be on that the lowest end of income. Um, And then so obviously they have to be experiencing homelessness and wanting to seek stability um, out of that experience.
0: So if you don't mind, just explain to me a little bit more in terms of what Greenville Homeless Alliance, how you guys are kind of positioned between these public and private entities what exactly are you guys uh accomplishing in order to help is is it cohesion that you're trying to bring or what exactly if you could just kind of explain that uh how you guys work in the middle of all these different organizations
1: sometimes this is helpful especially if people are familiar with bicycles and you know thinking about the popularity of our Swan private trail here but If you think of that hub in the center of a bicycle wheel with those spokes going out, we are that hub in the center and trying to make that strongest connection possible between, when I say every different type of public and private organization that could be touching this issue, could be obviously local government, to your hospital systems, to your school system, frontline service providers, you know, that's kind of where we started because they were already providing services. Some of them, when we got started, were had been in this community for over 100 years. Hmm. So, does that make sense?
0: We're yeah, it, yeah, it does. Uh, so, practically speaking, what does that look like? What, what would be yeah, yeah. what would be an example of of you guys, you know, working with these different organizations and being that spoke of the wheel?
1: Sure. One of the first early examples that we can now say was made possible by this intentional uh, hub relationship is that we knew that people were coming, were being discharged from our local hospitals, but not well enough to return to living on the streets. But yet our shelter providers had to also turn them away because they weren't equipped to care for some of the medical needs. You know, they're just, not set up that way. Right. And so they had to turn people away, which meant we have this revolving door of, you know, in and out of the hospital and, you know, through the ER, very high public cost when, you know, sure. someone doesn't have a safe place to recover and can, you know, care for their medical needs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: so enter, um, we have a federally qualified health center partner that comes through. So all their funding comes through our Health and Human Services Division of the federal government. And here that's called New Horizon Family Health Services. And they provide health care to anyone in Greenville County who, you know, would be needing it. But they also have a very specific program called Health Care for the Homeless. And because that partner said, hey, I'm aware of other parts of the country that actually provide a special type of bed called medical respite they started you know, with our connecting of funders and other partners that led to Miracle Hill Ministries, which is a, our largest emergency shelter provider, both yep. in Greenville and across the upstate. They said, wow, like we knew we were having to turn individuals away. Once they understood what could be done, they actually were able to accommodate this new uh, medical respite program in their current men's and women's shelters without having to build anything new they just rearranged some space and so they provided the space and the um, the meals you know and everything that comes with that stability of shelter and then new horizon came in and provided a nurse and a social worker specific just to the people in the medical respite program and that's that example of Miracle Hills 100% private your medical side is 100% public and had, you know, this intentional partnership of the homeless Alliance existed, likely those.
0: And so so you guys connected them
1: We're yeah. And also, you know, they were able to access a small amount of funds from one of our local philanthropy partners. So we, we talk about this very intentional way of making sure that our best chance to view the problem is to have the most uh, different actors in the community, looking at the problem with us.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it it seems like it's a problem that, like, it's like a a mountain. And you can't just blow up the whole mountain and make it go away. You have to kind of chisel away one rock at a time. Is that right? Does it feel that way on your end?
1: It does. We also use that analogy of you know, how do you eat an elephant? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah, for sure.
0: So when people think about Greenville, you know, they think, and and I'm just kind of speaking, I'm just kind of regurgitating some of the things that I hear from people. They think of Greenville as a very clean city, uh, a city that that is up and coming already here, um, has you know good diversity, all of these different things. Um, they don't necessarily think about there being homeless people here uh because it's maybe not what you see on the news you know the news likes to do all these you know show every tent city and every you know person that is clearly you know walking around like like we were talking before the show about san francisco how much the news media likes to show everyone that's on drugs and you know it's just kind of passed out on the side of the road and we don't see that as much in greenville as perhaps the media is portraying it in some of these other big cities but that doesn't mean that it's not happening, and that doesn't mean that there. Obviously, we know that there are homeless, quite a few homeless. I actually heard a rumor recently that there's some kind of underground system in Greenville, like underneath, um, like where the where Tupelo Honey is. I don't know if this is true at all, but there's like some kind of underground system where where there's a bunch of homeless people. You might or might might not know that, but anyway, um, regardless of that rumor. Um, for those who haven't had much experience with the homeless in the Greenville area, how do you quantify the scope of the problem? Do you have any any numbers or any, or any comparisons that you can make to kind of, for the average listener, to kind of help them to understand, okay, here is what the homeless problem is?
1: Yes, that's an excellent question. And we have worked hard on being better able to report and have a shared understanding of that data, because prior to our existence, there was a one-time count that the federal government tells all communities across the country that you should get out and try to count your people experiencing homelessness. Typically, it's that last week of January. Okay. So in any part of the country, you may see some news stories around that time that do reference this count. And when you think about that, like how accurate would your Real estate sales be if you said I'm only reporting one day.
0: You're right. Yeah. You know, not not super accurate. Actually, this is a big problem in real estate. Is a lot of the data lags, and so there's only a few companies out there that are really doing a good job with up to date data. Otherwise, we're oftentimes looking at data that's one, two, three months old, which is by that point almost useless.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So similar uh like was a recognition that first of all if you saw our data sometimes it was reported as the entire upstate because when the federal government looks at where they send their dollars to help us address this problem they don't just look at greenville they have defined areas and it's called a continuum of care and the state of south carolina only has four.
0: Oh, interesting and okay. ours
1: is Ours is the largest because we have 13 counties. Wow. It it spans from as low as Greenwood, you know, over to Cherokee and Oconee, you know, so 13, think of those 13 counties. Unbelievable. We're all lumped together. We're all very, very different. You know, even within Greenville County, it can be very different from Fountain Inn up to Marietta, Slater area.
0: Yeah.
1: So, So we're lumped into that. And so you might see a number that actually is for those 13 counties prior to our existence. Okay. So then we said, you know, Greenville has uh, the highest population, our county does, in the entire state. We also have more uh, services here than really anywhere else in the state. And so local uh, philanthropy said, you know, we want to help focus more specifically on Greenville. So when we started talking about that number, and because we we get a variety of funding sources to help make our organization possible, we're not tied to what HUD tells us to do. So we talked with the school district, and we said, what are you seeing? Because we do have one school district for Greenville County, which is unique as well. Right, as yep. Some of our neighboring counties. I've,
0: I've referenced that a little bit on, on previous Previous shows. This is a con- it's a It's like one of the most controversial things about Greenville is whether they should have it. A bunch of individual school districts or just the one. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it helped.
1: Sure. Yeah, for sure. And so, so the other thing we've tried to help people understand is when you do hear that one night count, they're not typically including most of our school children because they're only able to, um, in terms of how HUD looks at it, the issue and their definition. There's different definitions and theirs is more literal. Are you living on the street? Are you living in your car? Are you living in and currently in an emergency shelter? Okay. If you're in those situations, you're going to be counted. But if you're paying for your own motel room, but don't have, you know, home, they don't count you as experiencing homelessness Mm. under that HUD definition. Interesting. If... If I've lost my home and I've uh, said, Stan, can my family and I stay with you for a short period of time, that's called couch surfing sometimes or doubling up. That's also not counted. Hmm. And so thankfully in Greenville, we have very, very low numbers of children and their families who are self-reporting literal street homelessness. So I think to your point earlier about other cities, we just aren't seeing that here. But under our broader definition, so we follow what the U.S. Department of Education outlines homelessness to be. Uh, we do have in the most recent school year, two thousand three hundred and eighty one children whose family self-reported homelessness. So wow. that number would be much bigger if you could include parents and non-school age children that might be in the home as well.
0: Sure. So, um... So that's interesting. So what what's the reason why Greenville has less street homelessness, perhaps, than, than some other areas might per capita?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great question. We think it, one, is because we have the most number of shelter beds here. Hmm. We have over 450 um, mm-hmm. shelter beds and and those have and we're kind of adding some capacity there okay uh, you know and that's way more than any other county interesting how does
0: that compare to like other I know that you guys have looked at other metro areas as well how does that compare to other metro areas
1: uh that's a great question uh I don't know if I have that data I you know we've studied other cities as close by as uh Charlotte
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I would say for our Population and most of our emergency shelter beds currently are inside the city limits of Greenville. Okay. Which, for your listeners, you know, is quite small geographically compared right. to the size of the county. But I think per capita, if you were just to say our city, like we would still rank pretty high uh, in terms of, you know, to the population of the total okay. population.
0: Interesting. So, so how does you say it would it would rank kind of high. So you've compared to like Charlotte and whatnot. I mean, what are we doing different than, for instance, a Charlotte? Or what what have you learned from seeing some of these other areas that that could be improved in, in Greenville?
1: So one reason we formed the homeless alliance is we did have this uh, recognition. And when I say we, it was among those big service providers who, like I mentioned, the one who had been here by the time we were forming was the Salvation Army of Greenville County over a hundred years, Miracle Hill over 85 years, you know? So like these United Ministries where I'm coming to you uh, today from over 50 years. So these partners who said something has changed and we need to do something different because otherwise the people we're trying to serve are going to end up more harmed than helped. And so what they landed on, like the housing, was so elusive. It used to be more plentiful, especially if you look at where our shelter and um, nonprofit partners, where their offices are. Again, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with Greenville, a lot of these are located closer to where our mills resided at one time. So our textile economy created a plethora of rental housing that for a long long time was quite affordable and walkable
0: mm-hmm. and yep. closer yep. to other you know yeah the, those little those little mill towns yeah they're you you can walk straight to the mill and yeah you can you can envision just how you know how thriving that was at one point you know people not even needing a, a even a vehicle. That's why it's so hard to drive around those areas <laughs> right right
1: yeah, some of those streets are very narrow. So so really, um, we said, you know, we've got to figure out how to help more people understand what's now very difficult, because we have a lot of residents who care deeply about these nonprofits, but they they may not um, know how to help create these long permanent solutions that that are now so difficult to find. And the other piece that comes with that is like, usually with homelessness, you're not just experiencing the lack of housing. You may have had a ding on your credit. You may have experienced an eviction. You may also have, you know, uh, like you said, you know, like what if you don't have a car? Like that really limits where you can look Mm -hmm. for housing. So, all those pieces together, um, we've tried to bring in a stronger partnership with GreenLink our public transit partner and mm-hmm. organize you know, they're funded by the city and the county here. And then a lot of work with trying to figure out what are those ways that we, we're gonna have to figure out to build more housing that truly meets the the needs and the income levels where we see people just have no options.
0: Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about a lot here um on on this show because you know affordable housing, workforce housing, all of those things, a lot of buzzwords and we've got my um, episode, um, my, my most recent episode of the show was about the local political scene. And of course, we've got mayor races and city council races all over the upstate. Um, so what would be, you know, if if anyone running in those elections are listening to this, what would be your, what would you say to them with regard to these affordable housing shortages? What what can public officials be doing to to help on that front?
1: First and foremost, you know, just making sure we're all talking off like the same sheet of music. It is a, a complex issue in that, you know, there's different ways to build and fund to maintain quality housing. So I do think so, we've got some sort of misinformation that often just, you know, unfortunately hurts that that narrative of where we need to be going as a community?
0: What 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 would be, if you don't mind, what what would be an example of that misinformation?
1: Yeah, so um I think sometimes there currently there's some discussion as recently as last night around what does this tax abatement <laughs> look like and mean right. for residents especially in Greenville County? And you're
0: saying for you're saying for residents or for the developers that are getting like tax refunds for affordable developments.
1: No, I'm sorry about so for our elected officials, I think there's misinformation both on the what I would call the residents, the the voter side, but mm-hmm. also some misinformation that's coming from some of our elected officials okay. as well. That just amplifies a narrative, you know, that is not helpful to people that truly are desperate for somewhere to call home
0: sure you know so
1: um i think what often is misunderstood is housing is expensive to build it's gone up during covid you know construction cost construction labor all those market forces have impacted uh interest rates you know all those things have are outside of our control so in order to build quality housing it it looks the same, but the way to make it affordable is you've got to figure out ways to um, layer more money in there to bring that rent down, to bring down the, the cost of uh, habitat home. And so that is, you know, the only way that we're going to match again, it's not that people aren't working, people have jobs, their income just is lower than where the market offers that housing. Right. So in order to to help people leave homelessness, like we've got to be, you know, finding ways to stack capital and bring that cost down, so that that person pays what any of us, you know, the best, that gets to the definition of affordable. We should be all paying around thirty percent of our gross income or less for our housing cost. So, like, could your clients, you know, buy a home? that's 50% of their gross income, would the bank give them
0: a loan? Not I, well, it it depends. It depends on how they're reporting <laughs> that income, but they're not supposed to. <laughs> right. They're not
1: supposed to. So that's also true in the rental market. You're not really supposed to. Like a lot of times when you go to rent, you have to show you earn three times the rent.
0: Yep.
1: Right. Well, there's a lot of private uh, property owners out there that are not adhering to that. so we have a lot of residents in Greenville County. We even have like thirty-two thousand like households stand who are paying more than 30 percent of their income for their housing.
0: Wow, thirty
1: two thousand. So we look at that as like that's thirty two thousand households that any moment could fall into this crisis.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so not, we
1: think and... it's surprising our numbers aren't higher.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and is that 32,000? Is that just in the city limits or is that?
1: That's Greenville County.
0: That's Greenville County. Okay. Cause I was going to say the city only has what 75,000. So right. I, I don't remember, I haven't looked at the most recent numbers, but it was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not relieved from the County standpoint, but I'm like, well, at least that's not the city. That would be really bad for the city. Um, so would you say that the it, are the solutions keeping up, uh, the solutions for homelessness and, you know, the various public-private work that's being done, the various charities that are contributing, um, all of these things, are they keeping up with the demand? Or are we, are is the homeless problem getting worse? Is it is it growing at a rate that we're really struggling to keep up with it in, in this the greenville area
1: you know that gets it back to how we the um, the data we have access to is one piece of your questions we do know year after year we look at the school district numbers because they're able to report each school year and this the numbers start over beginning the school year that number has been dramatically rising so we are not going in the right direction for our children and their families. Um, but like we talked about earlier, majority of those children and their families are not going to qualify for the federal resources we do have to address. We have to wait for them to fall into finding a bed in an emergency shelter or finding themselves literally on the street, hmm. which is not really a good no long term solution
0: no that's for sure
1: (laughs) for your future workforce you know they also there's a um, statistic out there that says every time a child has to move due to housing instability they can lose on average six months of learning and what we see too is like it's not just one move in a school year it's usually four or five and you could see like why that becomes difficult then to keep up and and graduate even from high school if you and have then that's that just housing.
0: Per- that probably just perpetuates the cycle exactly and that they're more likely to be not as educated as the median you know student and then they become an adult and then they're already starting behind the eight ball
1: right so um the other part that's hard to keep up with while we are making progress and i'm glad I'm gonna to listen to your episode about the most recent, our election coming up in November. You know, so that's the good news. We've done a ton of advocacy and alongside others, and we have seen our local government here in the city of Greenville use our own tax dollars to help make um, more housing come online. And, and so that's a really critical piece of like, we can't just hope that somebody else is gonna solve our problem. Yep. that's you know if greenville had waited for that to happen we wouldn't have the beautiful city we have today so you know that's good that we're doing it we're still not doing it at the rate that the consultants who helped us look at the problem said we should be but they're trying they're trying to get there well, so what, the current what goal need, what, is, need, what,
0: what needs to be done for us to to get there like what what are, or what are those numbers of units or, or however you look at it that we need to get to in order to, to reach these the goals that you would have?
1: Uh, there is a strategy that's been put out by the Greenville Housing Fund. So they are the entity that is looking more alongside Greenville Housing Redevelopment Authority. So between those two, like they're really looking at the housing situation across the entire county. And they've said, in order to get to the goal, which would reduce our shortage by a half, is we need 10 million from each local government entity per year, year after year, to to drive that number in half.
0: 10, 10, 10 million what? If you could just ten clarify. million
1: in um, in a local revenue, like ten million from the city from 10 our million city dollars. general operating budget, mm-hmm, ten million.
0: To, to go towards what specifically?
1: That goes into a fund. Like if it's a city, it goes into the Greenville Housing Fund who holds the those dollars and they become, in some cases, like the last gap of funding to help a deal pencil. So when we were talking about the tax abatement, that's one way that, you know, the when you're trying to um, bring down the, the cost to the consumer, you know being someone trying in this case to exit homelessness, Mm -hmm. you got to find different kinds of capital in order to do that. So they don't give all 10 million to one partner. You know, it might be a recent example could be like Mm 500,000 was what that developer needed to close that gap, to get the bank to, you know, agree for them to do this housing development. Yep. So they're called like that last gap funder. And sometimes they're the first to be paid back. So we're also trying, where possible to recycle dollars. So then it's there to help the next project that can't pencil. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, and I don't know how much you run into this. But one thing that I talk a lot about on this show is NIMBYism. Uh, Not people that do not want development to be in their backyard. NIMBY stands for not in my backyard. Um, And so Um, obviously we see it all the time that when a developer comes in more and more there's, there's pressure and rightfully so for those developers to include affordable units. Um, We, you know, I, I talked about again last episode about people need to start uh, being more aware of the term AMI area median income that developers are going to be forced to, um, to have you know units that are for uh, affordable for people that are eighty percent AMI, seventy percent, whatever the case may be. Uh, but there's a lot of because of this anti-development sentiment that's in the Greenville area. People don't want any. People are just like Greenville's growing too fast. We need to stop all developments out in um, easily in Pickens County. There's people threatening if uh, if I get into office. Um, I will do a six month moratorium on all developments, which is not good um, for uh, housing affordability just in general. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? what would be your what's your pitch to someone that's kind of anti-development? They don't want to see, they just want developers to stop getting these tax rebates. They aren't happy about, you know, hearing these affordable units coming in and being subsidized by the government because they feel like that's their tax dollars going towards making a city grow beyond what they want it to grow as. What would be what would be your your pitch to them? What would you say to them?
1: Well, we've spoken up for some of those exact situations and our pitch has been, you know, do do you believe that everyone should have the opportunity to enjoy this beautiful place that we like to call home. And if you believe that, then, you know, you're going to have to look for some of the best ways for us to find solutions that possibly, like we spoke for one called Renaissance Place, and we were the only voice of support. And you know, it was very, it's right there, uh, not far from Bob Jones University, so close to grocery stores, very close to the bus line. Uh, And, you know, that has been a wonderful opportunity. It's for seniors, they have to be 55 or older to to live there. And it's just quality housing that's right, you know, in a great part of our city. It's actually right on the city-county line. And, you know, we're just, like, I wanted to be welcomed. I moved here in 1992, fresh out of college to work for Milliken and company. And, you know, I wanted to be welcomed. I didn't want somebody to go, you're going to have to, you know, commute from Clinton or somewhere, you know, sure way far out. Um, so I, 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 that's our best argument is like, how would you want to be treated? And if you care about this community, then, you know, we're going to challenge you that jobs, there's many, many jobs that are not paying, uh, you know, a a person or a household enough as well to live close to where they work. So it it could be that burger that you love, you know, that restaurant may go out of business because they can't find employees now. Yeah can afford to either park in a garage or drive, you know, that far to work or their car breaks down, you know, and they can't make it to work. I mean, there's just so many factors of like, if you can have this diverse incomes, it's actually the most healthy way a community can, can thrive. And, you know, people can have access to, to employment. And then from there they have other opportunities, but you can't get them here.
0: You're right. Yeah. you can't work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, an an area um is either growing or it's stagnating uh, in in my opinion, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that they think they think we can just stay the same, um, but you can't just stay the same. That just that it just doesn't work that way.
1: Right, right. So yeah, no. Um, the other thing I would say is like we do think you have to be smart about where the best places to build are. especially in our county that's so big and has a lot of diversity in in opportunities where land still exists. You know, I think two-thirds of Greenville County is is not zoned. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we would say it's better right now to build closer to where we do have infrastructure like water and sewer. Yep. So, you know, there's just things like that. We're part of other coalitions that are looking at what's the best way to use the land and we work with partners like Upstate Forever and that coalition. We also, you know, what what is the opportunity with our Green Link system? How can we help make sure housing that we could build near those existing routes gets developed to help serve, you know, especially people whose income really is gonna rely on that affordable uh, transportation option.
0: It's just yeah. got
1: like, it takes a lot of intentionality and, and planning ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did now um did Greenville Homeless Alliance have any input in like the very controversial uh project woven? Did, were you guys involved with that at all? Or or what how did that come about?
1: Yeah, uh so we we did attend a lot of those public meetings and we do encourage those who are part of our coalition to also, you know, if they're able to to be a part of those public meetings to give comment to be aware. I think that is a um, a good example of where the county's new tax abatement policy made a difference and helped increase the number of affordable options in that new development.
0: And that was, they, and, had, they included several at 80% AMI, right? Is that is that what that one was, if I remember correctly?
1: The, um, you know, before they got the approval for the new tax abatement, They did have a few, but so it increased even further and that now they've got some at 80, some at 60, and some down at 40% of the area needing income. Yeah, so so we think, you know, that's also a smart way we haven't touched on yet is is like we really can be a a healthier community when you mix different incomes Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. So that does that. They also have some uh, space for entrepreneurs This in- Built into Woven that we, you know, I think see that partners like Mill Village Ministries can help, you know, um, through what they're incubating, give people then that permanent space to be the entrepreneur and grow their own business. And, you know, that's a great way for someone to be more successful in today's economy.
0: And and I should probably... I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I, I no. should probably mention for those that don't know. I, I just kind of threw Woven out there. Woven is kind of a, um, I, I guess it would be considered kind of a mixed use, but heavily residential on the west side of Greenville. Um, I believe not too far from Unity Unity Park, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, d- development that is basically mixed market rate and mixed affordable housing um for those that aren't familiar with it. So sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. I realized yeah. in the middle of that that like some people probably have no idea what that is. So
1: <laughs> yeah. I think still what's hard and you were touching on it a little bit earlier is the 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 breadth of the affordable equation continues to grow. So like our area median income is continuing to rise. And where woven sits is a historically black neighborhood. And so the the neighbors that we heard come and speak many of them said that this isn't this is including affordable but it's not affordable for what i need or what my mm. parents need now that right. they've aged out of their home so sure. that's that's kind of the some of the hard conversations uh because that, e-
0: that even with even with affordable housing and workforce housing that gentrification still happens.
1: It is. It is. And we with the homeless alliance are are also fixed in at 30% and below the area median income. And it kind of just comes back to like um 75% of the people who make that choice to enter our emergency shelters have zero income. Yep. You know, so you're not going to go from like zero to 70,000 gross annual income right. immediately. So that all takes time and you have to have that housing stability in order to be you know to have the ability to work.
0: So is the is kind of like you get those people with that are are not making any money. The first job is just to to get them into a shelter or perhaps maybe to get them a housing voucher where they can rent and start to get income history and then is that is the next step to to potentially get them into some of these you become a homeowner in an affordable unit or perhaps a ha- habitat home or something like that. Like, is that kind of the goal when, when someone has no income
1: uh, or, or do so you guys think of it person, in like a different way? Yeah. Um, I would say like when we try to think about a person centered approach and recognizing that that person is best like their own, goals for themselves. And what hopefully we can do is as a collection of service providers come around them to help pull those barriers out of the way to let them reach those goals. So it's hard to say, I would say like related to the housing uh, voucher, there's a small handful of vouchers that it's almost nearly impossible to make that resource match up with someone who's in a shelter. So that is, um, because the federal government is really sending those you know here and it's hard to get more (laughs) so understandably but in terms of work um there's a lot of partnerships that help people maybe they have always had a goal to you know do something that they haven't had the ability to have that support and training to to gain that skill and so sometimes while people are in shelter, they may be working also with a coach, uh, through United Ministries with their striving to thrive model and helping people. Okay. What's, what can we do to help you gain those skills so that when you are ready to exit, your income is higher and your likelihood of being able to afford all the different components to remain stable are available to you. Yeah. That's great. Um, What we, yeah. So what we hear though, is like, there's such a, um, there's such a strong desire to work once people gain that kind of, they, they, you know, they're in shelter, they're feeling like more stable, safe, that they could just walk down main street and they do that. And they come back with a job in one of our local restaurants or a, even a national chain. And unfortunately it's really hard then to match the housing right. with that income and keep them close enough to that, Place they've taken the job with.
0: And I've so seen some sense. instances with people with vouchers that they get a job and now they don't, now their voucher, you know, the value of their voucher has gone down. Perhaps, you know, they're in a different income bracket. So now they don't qualify for as high of a housing voucher. So now, even though they're making more money, they're now also having to spend more money in order to rent because now they have a copay that they're having to pay in addition to their voucher. So that's like a whole separate you know, issue where sometimes people are disincentivized to to make income based on how, you know, the that uh, social safety net system is structured.
1: Right, right. And all those different pieces of that net don't line up at the same income. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's one thing I do think if your listeners aren't familiar with the work of United Ministries, they are doing an incredible job with Uh, some new software that helps people look at like, am I approaching that? And if so, like I might lose, you know, my ability to cover childcare, you know? And so it it just helps instead of just finding out after the fact, which is how it happens for most people today, sends you into that crisis. So they're really working to get more proactive. Interesting. Which is great. Which so are is they, great. Are, yeah. they, are,
0: they, are they is that a uh standalone charity or are they affiliated with any with anyone?
1: They are a standalone nonprofit. Okay. hmm
0: Okay. Yeah, that's great. We'll we'll definitely have to um if, if you could send me a link to them, I can link to them in the show notes. I'll also Absolutely. link to Greenville Homeless Alliance as well. And, and anyone that you want me to link to, I'll link to in the show notes. Um Yeah. we like so, to give
1: them a shout out too because they give us office space and treat us like employees which is helpful with with this new way of working that we're doing you know which is a little harder to find grants to cover because we're not providing those direct services sure so so we're located here in their administrative building
0: oh that's yeah that's fantastic so we only have a few minutes left uh, and you've been very generous with your time so i appreciate that um so i just just a, a few quick questions here um and then we'll let you go um, what would you say are perhaps some misconceptions that people have about homeless people in general?
1: There's a lot out there, so we—I'll uh, just give a quick plug. We have some MythBusters. You maybe could also link in the show notes. Okay, yeah, some short videos sure. that if people are interested, they can watch those. And one of the misconceptions is maybe that you know people uh, don't want to work or, you know, choosing to remain homeless. And I think, you know, what we hear so often is like, if they had a choice, if they had an option, they wouldn't be choosing this. Right. It's we don't have the choices.
0: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Or if you said to me, you can stay here or, you know, give up uh, 95% of your income, to have that roof over your head, what choice would you choose?
0: Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not quite as simple and straightforward as as you might think.
1: Right. Right. But I'll, definitely the MythBuster. Um, we also hear, hear a lot of people ask about panhandling. We have one that addresses that as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. And and one thing. One thing I've. You know. There are sometimes that we'll see you know, people on the side of the road, you know, asking for money or, you know, or for food or whatever the case may be. And I've talked to my children about it sometimes that it's like, these aren't people who don't want to work. They're working harder than in a lot of ways than me, like on the side of the road, like in in the cold weather and whatnot, like out there, you know, that that's work. It's just, for some reason, they are in this position that they're in. We don't know why. It could be, could be education. It could be, you know, perhaps some kind of substance abuse. It could be a lot of different things. Um, but, but that's one thing I that I hear a lot is that it's like, well, these people just don't want to work. And it's like, if you actually look at a lot of the people that are street homeless, they're working oftentimes harder than us, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, but it's just not in a conventional job, and um, you know if we can if we could get that level of work ethic and channel in the right direction, they could benefit themselves, but also benefit everyone else, you know, in the economy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What? Um. So let's say that. Um. That you know I don't know if there will be anyone listening to the show that would potentially be in a situation where they might find themselves homeless, but we have to operate under the assumption that there might be. Um, So if someone is in that situation, what's the first thing that they should do?
1: We have some great tools on our website. Again, things that didn't exist before we were created. So we have a get help page. And on that, there's some very simple tools. You know, if you need emergency shelter, we try to make it very easy. We also just recently added a different tab under our resource page that's a, fil- you can use filters. So the intent there was to try to help you more quickly understand what, based on my situation, is the best fit for me. Is it to be a little bit overwhelming because we have so many resources here in Greenwood sure. County. Yep. So you start applying the filters and it takes you more quickly. And then you can see from there the number to call, the address, the website. You just click, you know. And so we also encourage people to be familiar with that yourself. So that if someone asks you, we have things on that page that you, if someone is hungry, you can eat really seven days a week in Greenville. If you, you know, if you're can get, make sure you can get there, but a lot of people that are panhandling are very close to these locations. Okay. And so just educating yourself saying, you know, the best thing that we can do is direct you to the experts. Anything that I, you know, could give as a regular everyday resident is probably what we would call a bandaid and may just continue to um, keep that person more in that state of crisis. What we want them to do is move out of that state of crisis and get stable, be contributing parts of our community and have all those, you know, benefits that we enjoy.
0: Absolutely. So. Practically speaking, what can the average listener on here who is in a home and it desires to help with the homeless situation in Greenville or perhaps even outside of Greenville, but this is a Greenville show, so practically what can people do to to contribute towards solving this problem?
1: Well, we would first invite everyone to sign up to get our e communication so we only send two things a month and outside of that we might every so often send what we call a call to action alert and that is one we way we're trying to mobilize people to help show up and maybe be the yes in my backyard and combat what typically is always going to show up the no in my backyard right so um we don't we yeah. Won't...
0: We, we, we're, we're a big this show is a big yimby uh supporter Yes, we'd my love to have
1: more support of that. You know, it yes. truly takes a lot of voices to convince the the policymakers. And so, sign up for that. And then we feature a lot of the partners who, you know, we would encourage you if you're living in housing that's affordable. That means you probably should have some extra income available, and that's always welcome. Money solves problems.
0: Stan. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. So, and I and I you can choose. I've seen on your, on the Greenville Homeless Alliance page, there's a donate button that people can, that people can click. And I assume it's, it's pretty straightforward in terms of donating on there.
1: It is, it is. And currently, uh, depending on how soon this airs, we have our our one time a year uh, event where we, you know, have a luncheon and on November the 14th, it's during the national hunger and homelessness awareness week. And that's a way you could be a sponsor you know, join us for that, and those dollars are going to help ensure that we keep this entity of the alliance going. And and this year we're actually having a fun nighttime event,
0: and oh, it's kicking off a
1: six-month art exhibit. Awesome! Yeah, it's going to be right off of Main Street.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Down. I'll definitely yeah, have to right look there. into that.
1: Yeah. So so the but you know just educating yourself, educating those who you know in your circle of influence is also as important as those financial
0: dollars. Yeah, 100%. So last question, because this is a, you know, a little bit more sobering uh, episode. Obviously we're talking about a a major problem, children, not in homes, people, you know, out on the street, Um, but to end on a positive note, what is, what are some of the things in the future that have you excited um that that we can that we are contributing towards getting more people off the streets or out of you know motels that they can't afford and into homes what, what are some of the things that have you excited
1: thank you for that question we are very excited that we are undertaking the second largest public art commission mural in the city of greenville oh
0: wow where's that gonna and, be
1: and Mm-hmm. It's on the back of Train Mercy Center Sanctuary, so okay. if you're familiar with Stone Avenue, mm-hmm. about 14,000 cars or vehicles per day travel just in that one direction towards this uh, future mural.
0: Yeah, I go through and that area all the time.
1: Yeah, so pretty soon you'll see a boom lift on site, and we've got a local artist creating this mural that depicts stories of hope. And our hope is that more people become curious about what are those stories of hope? What did it take? It'll hopefully dispel some of those myths, but we know the solutions to homelessness. We truly believe we just need more people to join us in creating those solutions. And so, you know, those 14,000 per day, we hope are just little seeds that get planted that turn into, you know, blossoming, flowers, trees, you know, things to come for Greenville that makes it such a better place for the long term. So that's really exciting to us. And the people that are featured in there, also like tears came to their eyes when they knew that, that they have been chosen hmm. to be the face of trying to bring hope. You know, they've come out of such dark, difficult circumstances. Sure. And now, so it's really meaningful to us that we can lift up that and that they're willing to share that experience. Um, So as that comes to completion, we are also launching in November what we're calling the GVL, so Greenville Ignite Fund. So stay tuned to hear about that. But we want to work with housing providers and just figure out what can we do to help it make it easy as possible to house our most vulnerable residents. You know, we want it to be win-win so that, uh, again, our community becomes a place where everyone has that access. So that is exciting. It brings us yeah, a lot of hope. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, I love we all of that. We think so. so well, that... It's solvable. That's what people should know.
0: Yes, yes. It's, it's yeah, it's solvable. Um, it, it just, it it takes more than just you and a few city officials. It takes, you know, I, I know it's cliche, but it does take all of us, you know, at the end of the day. And um, and so that's why I wanted to to get this episode out. Um, you know, I have a lot of other people that I want to interview, um, but I really wanted to get this out because I just felt like the sooner people kind of understand why affordable housing is important and and, you know, understanding that just because they're not seeing, you know, these tent cities everywhere, doesn't mean that there isn't a problem, and that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that we can just ignore it and just coast and just you know it'll solve itself. It's not going to solve itself, <laughs> and you know that <laughs> as much as anyone. Um, and so, thank you so much for for what you're doing, and any of your any of your partners uh, or affiliated organizations that might be listening, if you're listening, thank you to to all of y'all as well. Um, because it it like I said, it benefits all of us when people have have a safe roof over their heads. Um, that it truly is does. the best thing for the for the entire city, for the county, for the upstate as a whole.
1: It does, and we know that it's it's not like we have data. We could go on I know for longer, but there is data to show most of those people we've talked about today. Their last permanent address was right here, so it's. Um, it's a homegrown issue. Yep. That it's going to that's take it. a homegrown
0: response. That yeah, that's interesting. So what you're saying is that most most of the homeless in our area are not coming here from from another area. Yeah. I it and yep. and, and I I I do want to ask one follow up and then I promise I'll let you go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Um, so this is
1: a big topic
0: of discussion so. it, it is so so those people are they getting priced out what 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 is the reason for for that happening yes
1: we hear almost daily from people who have done nothing wrong but maybe you know they have been a long-term renter and their person there or you know entity they're renting from has decided it's time to sell and they might get a 30-day notice and yep. it's virtually impossible to find especially if you've been a long-term renter and they haven't increased your rent dramatically over that time, you're going to be shocked with what, you know, market rate rent is. And so it's really, really tough. So that's, yeah. um, That is what's happening. Um, And if someone does move here thinking it's going to be better in Greenville than it was where they came from, United Ministries where we are located, if they, Get here, and realize, you know what? This didn't work out for me, and I really need to get back. They work with people to arrange transportation back to where, you know, that family okay. and other resources exist, so that people can not be trapped here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that was all great, Susan. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we send me whatever links you want me to include in the show notes, and I'll put them in there. Okay. Um, but if people want to get a hold of you or want to get a hold of Greenville Homeless Alliance or whatever, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yes, on our website, we have a tab with the connect connect with us.
0: And, and what, we just is ask your, it, what is the URL for your website?
1: It is GVL Homes with the S, the number four followed by the word all. So it should sound like greenvillehomesforall.org. We shorten it to GVL.
0: Perfect. And that and like I said, that'll be we'll put that in the show notes as well. GVL homes for number four all org. Um, correct. So perfect. Yeah, I've got it pulled up here. And yeah, I see the I see the connect. There's there's a bu- there's all sorts of things on here. So so be sure if you're listening, be sure to check out the GVL homes for all. Uh uh GVL homes for website. Um at the very least, look at that. We'll link to a few other things in the show notes, and um, we're we're just we're just hoping to get people into into homes, reduce the homeless problem in Greenville. And I'm just grateful that there's people like you on the front lines of that, to be able to you know for those of us that are passionate about it, but maybe are not able for whatever reasons to be on the front line, we can support people like you, who are on the front lines and i'm just very grateful for that
1: thank you well i'm really grateful for our partners that you know help us in terms of day in day out meet people who are in true crisis so they inspire me and give you know give us a lot of hope about what's possible for this community
0: absolutely well susan thank you so much for for coming on the show um Thank you to our listeners for listening. As always, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes, along with the links uh, that Susan's going to be sending me. Um, If you like this show, please subscribe, like, rate, review, all of those good things. And we will talk again next time.